All living things, from complex mammals to single-celled organisms, instinctively respond to danger. Expose a bacterium to a toxic chemical, and it will flee or deploy some other defense mechanism. We're very much the same. When we encounter danger, our hearts start pounding. Our palms start to sweat. These are the signs of the physical and emotional state we call fear. Everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Stranger Things. Today we'll be covering the fourth episode from season two titled Chapter Four Will the Wise. Woohoo! So before we jump into our episode, we just want to talk about our sponsor for today's episode, and that is Freshly. So you've tried all the meal kits out there, right? 30 minutes turns into 60, and all of a sudden you realize you've actually paid to do all the work. I've done it, but that ended for me this week after I tried Freshly. Freshly is a healthy, chef-cooked meal service that delivers fresh dinners right to your door. They're fully cooked, so all you have to do is heat them up in three minutes. Freshly is a weekly prepared meal service that delivers fresh, all-natural meals. No more worrying about what's for dinner, no shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. Try Freshly today and get $40 off your first two weeks. It's Freshly's best offer ever and is only valid for a limited time. So go to Freshly.com and use the promo code STRANGE to save $40 on your first two weeks of deliveries or enter code STRANGE at checkout. Shipping is always free. And you'll we just want to say thanks, Freshly. You know, if this is a way for you guys to help us out by, uh, help out our, help us out by, you know, helping Freshly out. So go and check them out at Freshly.com. Thanks, Freshly. Thanks, Freshly. Yeah, check them out, guys. Especially, it's super fun to have something um, a little bit easy to do during the Thanksgiving holiday. Awesome. So, Sean, are we ready to talk about this episode, Will of the Wise? I am ready. Sweet. Let's jump into our top five. Why don't you start us out with your number five? All right, Remus. So, for my fifth or for my number five, I almost jumped into a draft, sorry. For my, <laughs> for my fifth item, or number five item on this, um, I just want to say, Ruma, I got to turn down the air a little bit. It's it's starting to get a little cool here. I want to open all the windows. Uh-huh. It's freezing in here, but you know yeah. what? He likes it cold. Ugh. So we learn so much after the events from episode three. So we saw the, the shadow monster you know, kind of starting to engulf Will. Mm -hmm. And what we learned from this, I don't know if he's possessed or what it is, but there's some kind of connection between Will and the shadow monster where the shadow monster, for some reason, likes it cold. You know, as you Uh stay home, Joyce is trying to take care of him. His temperature is like 95 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, it was hard to read on that. Um, I, I feel like they didn't stay on that too long. It was kind of hard to read on that old-fashioned thermometer, but yeah, it, it was not normal. <laughs> <laughs> it was the uh, the like Actors Guild. Like You can only have a mercury thermometer <laughs> in scene for like so long. Do you think people were staring at that, like younger people going, what is that thing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, why is she putting that piece of glass in, his, in her kid's mouth? <laughs> yeah. 
it's, you know, and I love, you know, Joyce freaks out, obviously. So she did better than I could because I watched this episode uh, at like 11 at night, which mm-hmm. is usually I watch it earlier in the, in the night. But this was like pitch black. Everybody's in bed. And what I usually do after I uh, right before I go to bed, I get up and I go in my son's room because, you know, he's in a toddler bed now and he likes to sleep by the door. Mm. So what I do is I like to, you know, go in there, pick him up from the door, put him, you know, in his bed so he can sleep in his bed. And I was very nervous to go in his room because Will did like <laughs> kids are scary. <laughs> yes, and you know, are. if you're standing there and you know your son is like, Oh, it's too hot, you're like, Well, it's not that hot, I can cool it off for you. Well, he likes it cold. It's like, uh, we're calling a priest. I'm getting uh-huh. a priest on the phone and you are getting an exorcism. <laughs> time to a chair. <laughs> Uh, I've lucked out with my kid. You know, whenever I've gone in there, he's never been like standing in the middle of the room or anything creepy like that. Um, with my wife, it's happened once, I think, where she walked in and he was standing or sitting up in bed. Uh huh. But there's nothing more creepy than like a kid just, you know, saying things like this or, you know, uh, you know, being yeah. standing somewhere where they shouldn't be. Like dead face. Yeah. Like, just no emotion, dead face. And they're just like, he likes it cold. Uh, and he just turns around and walks away. What the hell? Yeah, you're right. It's creepy. I, I love, so she finally gets, you know, a hold of Hopper. She's been trying all day. And Hopper, I don't know if he should have been like a child psychiatrist or what. Cause he <laughs> did a great job with him trying to get him to explain what was going on. Yeah. And again, like if these these two adults have like uh, no, I don't know, they still haven't seen the right scary movies or what, but. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going through all this stuff. He's like, oh, well, I know things. Like, I have these memories. Like, well, they're going on right now. Like, they're, they're like, happening now. And Hop, again, is, you know, great. And this is where you kind of see what Will the Wise is, is Joyce ends up seeing, he's like, oh, well, this is a, you know, Will can draw. Let's see yeah. if let's see if we can get this from him. And you think he goes to his desk, he's going to draw, like, some kind of, like, a single-page picture or something like that that kind of explains what he's going through. He just starts scratching away with the crowns, you know, going going crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's where you just get, like, all this connection of this thing he's drawing. Yeah, that was that, like, puzzle that, to me, it was like a puzzle, um, all of his multiple drawings and how Hopper and Joyce were trying to piece it together. Um, I don't know that I could have, I don't know that I would have put that together by looking at them the way that they were. Well, it wasn't, like, page to page either. Like, a page had to overlap a page. yeah. And they kind of started figuring it out and getting it together. And <clears throat> at first, I thought the same thing. Like, this was some kind of map mm-hmm. or, you know, like some kind of tunnel system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, again, you see the wheels kind of clicking in Hopper's mind about like, oh, you know, I'm cold and I'm like killing things. Things are dying or whatever. When Will was talking about that, and you see it click. It's like, oh, yeah, pumpkins, you know, crops. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know. This is kind of getting kind of real spoilery. But, you know, you see him. Hopper's like, okay, well, this is underground. It's spreading. He goes to the pumpkin patch. And what's he find at the pumpkin patch as he digs? But the the thing I'm going to call BS on that is Hopper dug a big ass hole. He did. And I don't know if you've ever tried to dig a hole like that. Like, that's not easy. Like, they show like no. on Supernatural where they dig up those graves. Like, that's not like a, a one night thing. No. Um, I would have whisked out after like five shovelfuls and been like, piss on this. Where's the, where's the bulldozer <laughs> yeah. or where, where's the, um, what's where's the, the backhoe? Get the, the backhoe, backhoe in here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm being a girl all of a sudden. <laughs> what's the, what's the big machine called? 
I was going to say, it's the big loud machine. Yeah, the one with the big, like, bucket scooper thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm thinking of. But the coolest thing from that, I thought, so he he figures it out, and at first, like, I thought when he was digging in there, like, he heard, like, a scream or, like like, a painful thing. Yeah. But he ends up getting the hole, jumps in, and instantly he's seeing the ash floating around, and you know he's like, <sighs> "Shit!" Yeah, what the fuck, man? And whoever came up with the end for this episode is is really really smart because you see the camera start to pan back, mm-hmm. and then you see it start to slowly turn. Yes, and it gets to where Hopper is upside down. Upside down. Yeah, like, that's oh, what we're in. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh, that's really clever." It was really clever. I love their attention to detail when they do that. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, it was like, oh, we're fucked. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, whenever you have mono going around when you're in high school, like everybody's getting it. <laughs> everybody's getting sick. Yep. <laughs> uh, and that's what's happening here. It's just spreading all over Hawkins. So so my number five is just the, the he likes it cold and kind of the spreading of this upside down. <sighs> that's a really good number five. And it's hilarious um, how we're like always kind of syncing up a little bit because my number five is Will the Wise. Nice. And yeah, so just to kind of tag on to a little bit of, uh, of what you were saying, you know, we... Poor Will. I mean, Noah Schnapp is doing such a great job. Um, he 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 went through like so many emotions through this episode. Like you saw him get so emotional. He's so he's like he's so scared of like what's happening to him. You see him because we kind of saw a little bit more of what happened to him with that shadow monster kind of. And and like you said, we don't know is it is it a part of him? Has it possessed him? Did it imprint on him? I don't know that we know that. We know it's obviously had some sort of effect on him and it is somehow a part of him or vice versa. Um, But you see him go through those emotions of being really scared as he's talking to his mom. Like, I don't know what's happening. I'm really scared, you know, and he's, he's really upset, understandably. So Um, to then like when you mentioned, he's got that creepy kid, thing going like yeah. you know oh it you know it likes the cold um and it's like ooh you know <laughs> <laughs> okay so i thought i thought he did a really great job um in this in this episode with being able to go from that range of emotion and and make it believable you know it wasn't i mean he really cried there were he had like tears in his eyes and he was really crying and i think that's a true talent i don't think it's easy to for any actor to to do that when they're asked to cry um in a scene um, like you said, his puzzle drawing that he did because Will, you know, he seems to communicate pretty well. You know, he does have his friends and he can communicate, but he, he does express himself a lot in his art. We've seen that in the first season, you would see his drawings all over, um, you know, his room and in this season as well, you'd see his drawings and stuff. And that's kind of how he expresses himself. So of course, Joyce makes that connection. She knows her kids so well, both of her kids, you know, so well that she knows, um, you know, that he's having trouble expressing himself. How does he express himself the best through his art? And, um, I think, you know, Joyce gets such a bad rap sometimes about her, um, spastic attitude, <laughs> but, um, she's got a brain in there and she can really put those pieces together. Cause she was able to make that connection because she knows him so well. And then she's the one as her and Hopper are looking at all these drawings going, what the hell are these things? We don't even know. She starts to make that connection, you know, that, hey, look at this, and she starts to, you know, kind of try to piece them together. So I give Joyce some kudos for um, 
you know, having a bit of a brain herself as crazy and spastic as she can be and eccentric that she can be. I think she's a lot smarter than what people give her credit for. Um, and, and you were commenting earlier that you had kind of gotten, gotten it easy with, with your son, you know, not doing those really weird, creepy kid things, but I'm going <laughs> to tell you, um, I was not so lucky. I'll share um, a story. I'm lucky because my kid does not listen to this podcast. So I can talk <laughs> about her all day long. <laughs> so she can't say anything. <laughs> She'd probably kill me. Um, when she was little, she used to sleepwalk and Whoa. I'm a night owl. And so I would put her down for bed. She would have, you know, like preschool the next day. So I would try and get her into bed at a decent time. And, and I was like a horrible, horrible, like housekeeper. I really did not. I, I only clean like after she went to bed because to me, I didn't want to spend time like if I could spend time with my kid, I was going to do that and not clean. So I would like clean while she was like in bed and I'd be in the kitchen, like doing dishes or just straightening up and, and, you know, doing whatever needed to be done, folding laundry or something and, and watching TV or something and just doing these mindless tasks. And I would hear a noise and I would turn around and she's like standing in the middle of the room, oh, <laughs> just like silent <laughs> and just quiet and just staring at me. And I'm kind of like, Hey honey, <laughs> what you doing? Um, and it was usually because she needed to go to the restroom or something and she was half asleep and didn't realize what she was doing. I um, mean, I would just kind of gently steer her, you know, to the restroom, help her out, get her back to bed and everything was good to go. But this happened a lot. And let me tell you the first several times that it happened, it scared the hell out of me because you wouldn't hear her. You would just either kind of see something out of the corner of your eye. You might hear a little bit of shuffling of the feet, but she would just like appear out of nowhere. Um, and that was creepy. So I totally get this whole, you know, creepy kid thing. Um, I love my daughter, but she was a creepy kid at that age. Um, <laughs> was she ever, I think I used to do this when I was little. Did, did she ever like, like sit at the edge of the bed and just stare at you and wait for you to wake up? She didn't sit, but there were many times, like if I, if she didn't do this while I was awake and doing housework or something, or just watching TV, there were times, like if it was really late, like three or four in the morning or something, I would wake up and she would be standing at the end of my bed. Wow. Just staring at me. <laughs> I wanted to throw something at her so uh, bad. <laughs> I know I used to do that with my folks, but it was more like six, seven in the morning. Like it was like right at morning. But I can understand why they'd be pissed. Like you just you're staring at them because you don't want to wake them up, and then they wake up like, "Oh God, kid!" I like, know. "Oh, now you're awake. Can I have some Cheerios?" I know. It's like what? It's like what is wrong with you? Um, but yeah, sorry, that was kind of got off on a, a personal tangent there, but um, had to just share because I thought it was, you know, funny being a young mom and having a this little kid and, and adorable as can be. I mean, loved her to pieces, but um, she did some weird things when she was a kid, that's for sure. But you know, she's a weirdo like her mama, so it's okay. <laughs> Gets but, it honest, yeah, it's totally honest, but um, yeah, that was my number five, just kind of tie into yours was Will the Wise, the whole and, and another thing that I really liked whenever um. The whole, uh, as Mr. Clark is talking in science class, because Will's not at school that day. The kids are in school, so it shows him in school, and he's talking about the body's defense mechanism and the mm, body's reaction yeah. to fear. And it's it's overlapped as Will is, like, walking through the house, and he walks into the bathroom and where his mother's drawn this really warm bath for him because of his low body temp. I really liked how, that whole effect, too. I really like how they piece those things together. That kind of ties in um, so, to what you said. The thought on that I have, so, like, I, when you first see it, you think, oh, it's Will that's kind of got the fear. Do you think it's actually mm -hmm. the shadow monster? Like, is there something with heat that is, that that scares the shadow monster? Well, we know, I, I don't know, because the upside down 
appears to be very dark. There doesn't seem to be any sun. And we know that Dart, um, Yeah, he doesn't like light. He does not like light. It seems to, um, I thought he just shied away from it, but Dustin seems to think it hurts him mm-hmm. to they actually be in the light. The pos- oh, sorry. No, you're right. Yeah, I was, I was finished. But yeah, you're right. They're using fire to, I don't know what, I don't even know, have they said what that stuff is, but whatever it is coming out of the upside down that they go and like maintain. Yeah, it's kind of like the opening, it seems like, because that seems like where they were going in and out of in the last season. And so yeah, they just use like, that fire to contain it. Yeah, like those tendril things are kind of coming out and like trying to enro- encroach on our world. Um, and, and you mentioned whenever Hopper was digging the hole that it like you heard a noise or a scream or something. You hear that when they're firing on yeah. whatever that stuff is. It's coming out of the upside down, kind of growing itself out. It's like it sounds like it's screaming. It sounds like something from Harry Potter. Was there <laughs> some of yeah. those weird plants, you know? <laughs> Well, it's like the upside down is a living thing almost. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a really good. I hadn't thought about that. But, yeah, it seems like a lot of it. Yeah. Ooh. Ugh. Creepy. That makes it, I think, even more worse somehow for me. Yeah. <laughs> if you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that that was my number five was just kind of tack on to a little bit of, of what you had already said very well um, is – Oh, poor Will and what the hell is going on in that whole piece of this episode. Um, do you have anything else that you want to say about that? No, I think that covers quite a bit on on that. I think we covered that part at least pretty well. What's your number four? All right, so I am going to go with the newest dude in this that, <laughs> you know, it, it's we're, we're starting to peel back the onion on him. And, you know, he's, I don't know, what, I don't have a good name for him yet. Yeah, but you can call him Bad we're, Boy Billy at this point. We're we're counting on you, Sean. By the end of this um, watch of season two, for you to come up with a good. You came up with Steve the D. Um, we're counting on you for something for Billy. So but, put that on your list. <laughs> uh, he there's a little bit of time in this episode. I'm like, oh my god, Billy, you better not like have like some kind of like I I have a rough exterior, but deep down I'm a sweetheart. He's just a big old pushy cat. Yeah. <laughs> Because he's pl- when they're playing basketball again, you know him and him and Steve kind of get at it, and Steve, you know, gets plowed over by him as he scores, and mm-hmm. Billy kind of leans down and gives him some, some advice about you know planting his feet. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know in high school that I had these type of showers, or at least my high school <laughs> had these showers, the get to know you showers. I don't know if, if oh, you've yes. ever heard of them called that way. Oh well, but, we had know, the same showers in the girls' locker room. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you just get to see everything on display. Yeah. I lucked out because when I got into high school, they built a new gymnasium and stuff like that, new locker room, so they had private showers. Because that's one thing I, I'm not a big fan of is like showering in front of other dudes. Like it's just not uh-huh. my thing. Um, even if I go to like a, a gym here, like I'll go to the handicap one where I can like close a curtain. Just because mm-hmm. I don't really like, Privacy. I don't want my stuff on display. Yeah. And oh, and the other thing too, like this is so eighties. So we're gonna get to know you showers, and all three of the dudes are like, you know, dicks out right at each other. <laughs> and you know, they're talking about how uh, Jonathan's girlfriend, the princess, they're calling her the princess, which I don't quite understand where that nickname came from. Mm-hmm. And how she's with Jonathan now, and Steve, or not Steve, I'm sorry, Billy, kind of gives like that, you know, tough dude love bro love to um steve he's like hey you know there's a lot of bitches in the sea and uh don't like as dudes 
and just don't touch me in the shower. Like, I'm in the shower. <gasps> yeah. You're in the shower. We're naked. Just don't touch me. And he just smacks gonna, him on the back. Ugh. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that and be like, okay, I know, isn't it like a rule when you're in the restroom and at the urinal, like, you don't make eye contact. You don't, like, you can chat, but you have to look straight ahead or down. Yeah. You're not supposed to look at each other. And then whenever Billy kind of clapped him there on the shoulder, on the back, whatever, I was like, oh, isn't yeah. that a dude thing? You don't touch each other anywhere like i mean i've never i'm just not like i don't like people touching me that i don't know or that i'm not like okay like we have a relationship where you can touch me uh-huh. especially like if i'm in a shower uh-huh. you know it's just uh and like even like in sports and stuff like that you know like there you know, there's always like the smack the the dudes on the butt like yeah. that was never my thing either like i just don't understand like why are you smacking somebody on the butt like high five you know do the the knuckles don't don't touch my butt. That's my butt. Leave it alone. <clears throat> I I totally get what you're saying, and I totally respect your need for space. Everybody's definitely got their threshold <laughs> for um, their bubble. Like, don't get in my bubble. And some people are sensitive about touching and stuff. I totally get that and respect that. I, I get the whole smacking on the butt thing. Um, girls would do it too sometimes as, as, you know, we're playing sports or something. But even as girls, I don't – you know, I know – no, don't touch me in the shower. That's I don't care. Just like I don't want. I don't even want a pat on the head. I don't want a, a, a hand yeah. on your on my hand. Don't touch me. That's private. Uh, <laughs> and we're naked. Um, but yeah, I, I wondered about that. I was like, oh, that's. But you know, maybe did he do that? Maybe to make him uncomfortable. See, that's what I don't know. If it's because I mean, because he, he flips off his shower and then like hits him on the back. Uh-huh. And so, like, you don't know if, like, it's to make him uncomfortable or is there, like, is there something weird about, or not weird, but maybe is there something about Billy that, like, maybe, you know, he's not really into girls. He actually does kind of like Steve in a different way. I mean, <gasps> I I don't know for sure. Like, I don't want to say, like, oh, just because oh. a dude touches another dude in the shower, that means he's gay. But it just kind of seemed like, I don't know, just didn't seem more like bro love as much as, like, hey, I like you, guy. Do you like me? But and the other thing that kind of makes me like, okay, well, maybe there's maybe, you know, Billy isn't all into girls is whenever uh, Max comes back, he sees her talking to the boy, uh, Lucas. Yeah. And, you know, he gets like really freaked out. Like, it's almost like he's trying to protect her. But I'm like, okay, well, is Billy just a racist? Because Lucas, you know, being black, like, is he like, is is he just a racist? But being from California, I didn't know if they're, again, I didn't live that time in the 80s so i didn't know if maybe like midwestern like the stereotype is like well you know they're you know very sheltered there they're not cultured but yes. in california i think they'd have a little bit more exposure uh but it just seems like he knows something that he does like again this is like we've seen like what five minutes of billy on screen time and it feels like every minute they're just giving us a little bit more of like okay is he just a weird guy that's like a racist that's mean or is there is there something <laughs> behind this I know I'm, I'm, I'm so with you and I'm really confused about, um, where is this character going besides just being this huge jerk because we've barely had any screen time with him. Um, we've only had the little joy of him during the shirts and skins basketball game in the gym that we get a little bit of eye candy. (laughs) Other than that, he is this huge jerk. That every episode, I mean, just when you think that he can't do another thing to make you 
really hate him more. They do something else. And, you know, in the last episode, uh, well, I don't know if it was in the last one or if it was in the second one, whichever one it was, he tried to run the kids over as he had picked up Max and they're, you know, speeding down the highway and they're on their bicycles. And, um, you know, he acts like he's going to run them over. And um, it seems like every episode he just gets worse. And like you said, he it, that was such a visceral reaction with Max for him, for her talking to Lucas. And I thought the same. It's like, okay, is he just being... I don't know if he's being protective because he doesn't really seem to care about Max because he's like, don't call her my sister. You know, um, he's he's laying the blame, which I think is probably incorrect um, uh, for whatever reason that they're in Indiana and not California, laying it on, at Max's feet. And I think he's actually responsible in some manner. Um, and then in this episode, he has such a visceral reaction to her talking to Lucas. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, you, I'm like, OK, is it is he just being an ass? Because he just wants to completely control her, or is it a racist thing? Um, is he just that big of a jerk? Which surprises me. It seems like California is pretty, even, I mean, maybe even in the 80s, pretty liberal um, and open more than what, like, the Midwest is. I would, wouldn't be surprised by that kind of reaction from someone in the Midwest. Yeah. Versus, and I'm from here, so I can say that. I, I grew <laughs> up here. I know. Don't, don't email me and don't call me because I grew <laughs> up here and I know. But, um, you know, that's just what I would find just more typical, at least in that in that era, in the 80s, in a little bit more backwards kind of time that, that this is set in. So I was really shocked. And I, I'm just, I keep, every time I see this, him on screen and how awful they keep presenting, I'm like, what are they trying to tell us with this character? And, and I don't know. Thing, we get back with, like, Bob and it's like, is it just a character? Is this just this his personality? He's just a, yeah. you know, a possessive jerk. And there's not really anything supernatural to him at all. He's just, he's just, that's just who kind of guy he is. Maybe, but then what's the point? I mean, is it because Steve, we're supposed to love Steve now. Now we have to have a bad guy. We have to have somebody to hate. Yeah. I mean, well, I just, I'm telling you, they're just, they're going to be like this Billy guy. He's a real jerk too. Dick face Billy. But no. Are they, we fall are they going to feed Billy. him to Dart maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, Yeah. Have somebody to uh, feed the, the new the new demigorgon? I don't know. <laughs> but my number four is just you know the the onion we're getting peeled back very very little of is Billy. Yeah, I'm. Oh, gosh, I just I'm I I'm so bad for for many more reasons than just this. Want to go binge the rest of this show and see what's up because hey, we're almost at the halfway point, right? Because there's nine episodes. This is yeah. number four. So we're almost at the halfway point. So I'm really curious as to where this is going. Um, and I, I just hope we get somewhere. I don't want it to be I, – I just hope that his character isn't completely useless. He doesn't have to turn around like Steve did, you know, and go from this, you know, oh, you're such a douche to now he's the, the good guy. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be that. I just hope that there's some sort of point to his character and um, that they brought him on for a reason. I have to believe in the writers and the showrunners that they have a purpose – um, but let's get to it, folks. We're almost in episode five. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay, though, with, like, when characters show up that they don't really, like, they have a, a purpose to the plot, but they're not, you know, they're not, uh, they're not specific <clears throat> to the plot, if that makes sense, where, <laughs> like, I'd, I'd be okay if they showed up here and they just showed up by accident, not like, oh, well, you know, actually, Billy is number six. He's crazy six, Billy, and he's <clears throat> actually just, like, 11, and so is Max. Like, they don't have to be you know, any of this stuff, like if they're just here and they show up and they just basically, you know, trip over this event, 
I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I would be okay with that. He doesn't have to necessarily play a part in um, the the role, or like not really the role, but like the series or the story, the mystery of anything like that. I just, I just at this point, I don't see the point of his character. Just no, yeah, I could agree the, with that. You know, um, unless it has something to do with Max, exactly, because Max I do like and I care about. You know, um, her being a new character, I do care about her, and I'm interested in her. So unless it's supposed to help develop her character, maybe sometimes other characters don't have much story, but they have something to do with someone else's. So maybe if it has something to do with Max, I don't know. Yeah, I could get behind that. I just don't want it to end up to be like you look at shows like, uh, uh, you know. The Vampire Diaries or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, True Blood is the two I can think of where as the season goes on, it's like everybody's a supernatural being mm-hmm. or has like this overbearing power into this like this event. And it's just right. kind of nice. Like this is just a person that's just here. That's, you know, you know, basically accidentally fell into this thing. They don't have any supernatural powers. They're not here for some cosmic reason they're just they're just at the wrong place at the wrong time right and and you could be right and it could be maybe he's not that interesting it could just be like how he affects others because obviously he has interactions with steve he's getting up in steve's face and it could affect something that steve does or his character or max so if if that if that happens and i can live with that i don't need him to be an integral integral part of the story but i just you know i just don't want him to be there for the sake of being an asshole I got you. I at least yeah, want I him to affect that. someone else. So anyway, moving on. Um, do you have anything else to say about your number four? Nope. That covers all of Billy. Okay. Yep. Yeah, because there's not much to cover of Billy at this <laughs> point. <laughs> and as far as clothes, let's not cover a Billy anymore. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> so anyway, um, so my number four is word of the day. And today's word of the day uh, is brat. <laughs> <laughs> So I love that we're getting lots of words of the day. I, I believe our last one that we had was bullshit, and which I think <laughs> I like better than brat. Um, so Hopper and Eleven, we just keep, you know, I, I, I just watch their relationship, and, and I feel so bad for them. You know, they both have their issues because it's like Elle has no idea how to be. I mean, I think she's acting pretty spot on almost about being – a, a, a girl her age, a teen or preteen yeah. her age, um, and acting out and being rebellious. However, she's letting these powers kind of, you know, I think control her a little bit more because I do think she's being a little bit more violent than what I would like her to see. Um, you know, I think it's one thing when she she has she is attacked and I think killed out of some instances in self defense and others not so much. But the way that she goes after Hopper, you know, in this episode when she's, you know, like throwing the book back at him, she moves the couch where it slams into his legs. You know, she's busting all, you know, she screams and all the glass busts in the cabin. Um, those are, that's pretty, you know, that's that's kind of out there. And, and Hopper has anger issues. And, you know, I'm sure he's kind of thinking, how the hell do I handle a, a teen? Because his daughter died when she was still little. So he's probably out of his element dealing with a preteen girl. And not just a preteen girl, because I mean, I, I had a preteen girl, and I don't know how to deal with a preteen girl. So, um, <laughs> so, and and on top of that, this one has superpowers. So, do you think Hopper's in over his head? This whole situation. I, yeah, I kind of feel like when like he shows up and you know she's late coming home, he's sitting on the porch, and I'm I, I don't know what you do in that situation. Like he's try he can't really discipline her. 
Because mm-hmm. obviously if he gets, you know, like I think he was just at like at his wits end in a situation where he was super like scared because, you know, he kept saying trying to keep us safe. But I'm I'm convinced that Hopper is more concerned about keeping her safe. Yeah. Like I think he would lay down his life to keep her safe. And he understands that with everything going on, if somebody figures out that she's out there, you know, she's in danger. And I think mm-hmm. he understands that, like, you know, she wants to go see Will and all these things or see uh, Mike and all these things. But. You, you can't do that yet. Like, we got to get this figured out because, you know, he doesn't trust that doctor, I'm pretty sure. He knows something weird's happening. And now at the end of this episode, he knows for sure something's weird's really happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he did, you know, he, he stood his ground. Like, when he was trying to get the TV picked up, like, if if your kid had superpowers and you try oh, to lift the TV yeah. and they hold it down, like, oh, okay, you get to watch TV. He's like, all right, well, two weeks. And she still does it. It's like, oh, well, guess what? Now you just graduated to a month. Uh-huh. And he keeps pushing her, and she's pushing <laughs> back. He's like, oh, okay, well, guess what? Rips it off. No TV then. And that's when she kind of flipped it out and, you know, ex- you know threw stuff and threw the chair at him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he stood his ground. He did. Um, and, and you know, that's got to be tough because he's, I mean, she's pretty volatile at this point, and, and she has shown her aggression, you know, towards him. And, I mean, Eleven has killed people, so I mean, yeah. um, I mean, this girl can like squeeze your bladder. She can like melt your brain or squeeze your brain, you know. So they like melt out your ears and your nose. Um, she's kind of scary. So I, I, I did admire Hopper for standing his ground because I don't know that I would have, you know, um, been so brave um, in that moment. But yeah, I thought that was really great that, um, you know, that whole moment where he's trying. To- move the tv and she's just like shaking her head like nope you know thinking (laughs) and he's like you know he he was determined to win that fight and that is like a true battle of the wills with someone of that age any age when your kid is having you know because they they challenge you at different ages It, it never ends i feel um at least you know maybe into adulthood or something but it's like always at these certain stages in their life they're always gonna to challenge you and you have to like stand your ground and let them know that you are the boss in the end of the at the end of the day and uh what you say goes and uh i don't know just that that whole thing it's and i feel so bad because you know they both really care for each other i mean hopper really does want to protect her i think and i think he really does care for her sees her as as the daughter that he lost and and does care about protecting her because he knows it's the right thing to do and we know that hopper cares about doing the right thing um and, you know, she sees him as, like, the father that she didn't have, but, you know, it's like they're just not communicating. You know, they, they he gets angry, she starts, you know, slinging shit around the room, and, you know, it's like, if you guys could just have a conversation and, like, stop yelling at each other, you know, this well, might I feel work like out. That's probably, I mean, besides the stuff getting broken and, like, the superpower part of it, but doors getting slammed, stuff getting thrown on the ground. Uh-huh. I mean, that's I'm sure that that's probably a lot of, you know, parental experiences. I don't recall uh-huh. anything like that because I was an angel as a kid. But sure you um, were. I'm sure there's a, there's other kids out there who are not as good as I was that, you know, talk back to their parents. Hmm. I don't know, Sean. Maybe I need to call your mom. And- <laughs> <laughs> my, my dad's just- got a really good lawnmower story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whenever you yell over a lawnmower, uh, the lawnmower uh-huh. doesn't block what you say. 
Oh. Yeah. I, I feel like we need to probably talk offline about this story a little bit. <laughs> or I need, I need to hear more details. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a time guy. where you see your dad coming over after you just got out all these emotions <laughs> screaming. You're like, what's dad doing over here on the floor? Oh, God, he heard me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I can attest to... Um, at least the slamming doors part of it when my kid was of that age. But I know in my own experience in that age, I was not, believe it or not, folks, I was a little rebellious and I did a lot of (laughs) things I wasn't supposed to. And that included, um, talking back to my mother. Um, of course I, I, I paid for all of this, of course, but you know, yeah, I talked back. There were some slamming doors. Um, there was lots of harsh words. Um, I was not a very nice child, um, that's how I don't know how I got so lucky with my kid, who was a, a really good, great kid, because karma did not come back and bite me in the ass on a lot of stuff <laughs> that it should have. <laughs> um, but yeah, you are right. I mean, it probably a lot of that stuff is pro- probably pretty typical, especially with the age that she's at. As I've said, if no one's warned you before, middle school's horrible, at least for girls. Maybe boys, I don't know. I have experience with girls. Um, yeah, you're right. And that's... Take out the superpowers, and that's probably fairly common in most households. Anyway, that's that's my number four is word of the day. Well, B-R-A-T. Ex- <laughs> that rolls into my number three, which was 11 coming home late. Um, so I don't have a ton to add except, uh, you know, just you, you get the real feel like this is an actual fight between uh, like a father figure and his daughter. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing that it seemed to hurt him the most was when she's like, you're just like Papa. And again, oh, I really feel mm-hmm. like he like he does not see himself in that way at all. Like he's doing this to legitimately protect her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's uh it's probably the equivalent of like, you know, whenever kids, you know, I think every kid says like, oh, well, I wish you weren't my dad or I wish you weren't my mom. Like that, that cuts and like the kid doesn't it mean does. it. But it's or just when your it's kid that, says I hate you. <laughs> yeah, because oh. I mean, I'm sure they don't. But it's just you just get so pissed off. You don't know what to say. You just you mm-hmm. blurt something out. And the other part that I thought was, you know, it's kind of towards the end is, you know, he's kind of boarded up the windows and he comes to her door and he's like, you know, hey, kiddo. And it, he gets that part where, like, he's going to, like, back down a little bit. And you see it in his face. It was a great, great scene. Mm-hmm. And Hopper's going to be like, it seemed like he's going to be like, listen, I'm sorry. I kind of freaked out. Let's, you know, when I get back, let's have a discussion and, you know, just communicate this. And he kind of starts going down that path and he stops. and He's like, I want this place clean before I get back. Because, again, he's the authority figure. He's the dad. And uh-huh. you're not always going to be, you know, your kid's best friend. You're going to be the, you know, the villain at times, even though you're trying to do it for the best, best reasons. And yeah. so I thought that was kind of a very, like, father, because I'm sure that's going to happen to me someday. Like, my kid's going to be mad at me because I don't let them do something. And I'm going to feel bad. I'm like, well, I don't want him to be mad at me. So, you know, you try uh-huh. to, you know, fix that situation. But they're like, listen, no, I'm the authority figure. Like, I this is this is how it has to be for whatever reasons that I feel. So... Sorry, kiddo, but clean the house and stop using your superpowers. The brick windows are expensive. <laughs> Let's hope your son does not develop any superpowers <laughs> to use against you. <laughs> but if he does, him and I are going to go to Vegas and play some craps. That's right. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, my number three just kind of tied into 11 coming home late. Oh, boy. And you're so right. You're so right on that. Um, yeah, because, you know, even though 11 has not had any kind of typical childhood that most most kids like Mike and the rest of the group have had, she's been locked away and, you know, has not had socialization. She's only, you know, been with adults and been 
used as an experiment. Um, you know, that's why I feel for them both. You know, Hopper does struggle with his own issues. Elle struggles with, you know, how to learn to be an actual kid, an actual child instead of, you know, who she is. And, oh, it's such a struggle. Um, but really good, really good interaction. They both have really good interactions when they're on the screen together. So I like it. Um, my number three is the plan. So I know we talked a little bit, um, last episode about like, what the fuck are Jonathan and Nancy up to? So we got to see what they were up to in this episode. So we got to see their plan that it looked like the whole time they were counting on being overheard on the phone. Like we knew, like, you know, we saw them being, you know, heard and we kind of questioned like, didn't they know they were being heard? What the hell are they up to? <laughs> you know? Um, well now we know that they were pretty much counting on, on that and they were counting on getting caught. Um, what did you think about that whole, whole sequence uh, of events and, and their, their plan? Well, this is actually my number one. I titled it girls night Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, because Nancy, you know, she talks to her mom. She's like, Hey, I'm going to go over to so-and-so's house. We're going to have a girl's night. We're going to paint nails, gossip, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's, you know, they show up at the park and instantly they, they look like they're on alert. Like they're watching for this, like all these people, like it's like, oh, that guy's been looking at us and it starts mm-hmm. cutting to all these different people who keep staring at them. And I, this is, you know, great acting inside of acting. So Nancy and, uh, uh, oh shit, Jonathan, mm-hmm. you know, they know like, okay, we're going to get caught. And so they hurry up and rush their car and, you know, the car won't start for some odd reason. Yeah, and the guy like knocks on the door. Like the first thing I think of is, I I I wasn't sure if they were acting or not. I thought maybe they actually did want to talk to whoever and you know tell uh, her mom about her dying. Mm -hmm. But I'm instantly thinking like this is one hell of a mistake. Like they are going to be screwed. Like they're going to get taken to this facility. They're going to get thrown up in the upside down. Like it's not good for them whatsoever. Right. Uh, But. They get thrown in the same room Joyce did, and our doctor friend comes along with his great bedside <laughs> manner and his great like presentation. Like this is a great PR guy. He's doctor friendly. Yeah, and so he's like, "All right, well, why don't you guys come along with me?" And starts walking out. He's like, "Well, I'm just going to assume you're following me." <laughs> I know that was good. <laughs> I mean, but so like it's you know he's going through. He's he's not hiding anything. He's like, "You guys know about this. Yeah, we're doing this for specific reasons." And I love that. And I'm sorry, he don't really love, but it's the fact that he's like, guess what? You know, do you want this to fall into the wrong hands? Because this is during mm-hmm. like the the Cold War. He's like, this you want the, the Soviets to find this? Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you think the Soviets would do with this? Do you think they would be like trying to keep it from spreading? No, they would use it and destroy everything. You're not right. a commie, are you? You're not a commie, Nancy, are you? Exactly. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that was. I mean, I think uh, it's. Oh, I think that's what's like so such great writing about this show at this point, because I actually I mean, I kind of I don't sympathize with him, but I kind of saw his point. I mean, we are knee deep in the Cold War, and I don't think people, at least the people that aren't familiar with that era and and were either adults or or and maybe not kids, because I don't think kids really knew a lot about maybe what was going on so much. But if you didn't really know so much about being at that time, that was really kind of a dangerous time. Yeah. Um, I mean, has anyone watched the Americans? Hello. Um, great show, by the way. Um, but I kind of 
related to what he said because he's like do you want the soviets to find out about this what do you think would happen if they found out all about this so it kind of made you realize oh well they kind of do have a point as to why they're trying to keep all of the secret i mean it is kind of serving their own purpose because yeah they kind of fucked up you know this whole thing and some people died and some really bad things happened but you know there's also another part to it that we are in the middle of a cold war with the Soviet Union and, and that it was very serious at the time. So I kind of saw his point. I'm like, he does kind of have a point. I mean, it's but not even, right, but it, I see it. But even then he's like, listen, like the guy before me screwed all this up. Like they made the mistake. I'm here to kind of clean things up and make everything better. Yeah. I'm your friend. Like I'm not here to oh, yeah. you know screw things up. I'm here to help. And it was so creepy at the end. Like he did it perfectly where he's, he's basically threatening without threatening them like actually mm-hmm. you know saying hey if you guys you know tell people we're going to ruin your lives it's just kind of like you wouldn't want this to get into the wrong hands would you like bad things could happen right. and at that point like you see jonathan and uh, nancy and i'm like oh well, they got it now so whatever plan they had is going out the window but we see at the end that's not the case right no it's not the case so you know you see them you know they they've recorded this whole conversation which again I don't know how long this conversation went for, but I don't mm-hmm. think the recording devices lasted that long back then. Like you had like 60-minute well, tapes. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I remember those types of recorders, and I remember those little those little mini tapes. Um, I did not have a recorder, but um, if you were oh, – and this – gosh, damn it, going to freaking age me. I don't know why <laughs> I keep talking about this shit when I'm, when I'm talking about this on this show. Um had the answering machines back in the day that recorded on those little tapes. Mm-hmm. You had to like change them and record over them and flip them over and all that stuff. Um, no, they didn't hold that long. Um, or yeah, you, you're right. I think about 60 minutes. So how long did that whole interaction happen? When did she hit record? When they, you know, um, how did they know they were going to get all of it? Um, and, and, and that was something else that kind of made me question like why – Okay, so they're kids, they're teenagers. Maybe the the people at the facility that, that brought them in are kind of just taken for granted that they're just kids, Nancy and Jonathan, and that they wouldn't think to bring in something like a weapon or some sort of recording device. Why Why didn't they search them, though? Don't you think that was a little bit weird that they didn't check their bags or check their pockets, coat pockets and stuff to make sure that they weren't bringing something in that they weren't supposed to? Or do you think they're just like, oh, they're just kids. What are they going to do? <laughs> Probably, but I yeah, if this is a super secret facility and these people are like trying to tell somebody something and uh, you got to take precautions. Um, And I'm kind of surprised they they don't have some kind of technology to be able to at least know that that's going on or watch the tapes to see like, oh, well, she just reached into her purse to do something. What's going on there? Yeah. And if they're so superstitious or not, maybe superstitious isn't the right word, but so cautious, like you said, about uh, the Soviets finding out secrets. I mean, who's to say that there can't be a, a child spy? from the Soviet Union that could come into the facility and try to record or have like one of those spy cameras. I know I'm getting all James Bond here, but I love James (laughs) Bond and spy movies. Um, But you know, how do they... I'm going to say this right now. Nancy's a Soviet spy. That's what it is. You're calling it. You said it first. Nancy does sound kind of Russian to me, right? She does. She's (laughs) got a little bit of an exotic look, a little bit of an ethnic (laughs) look. (laughs) But I mean, I just thought it was like, okay, I get that they're kids and they're high school kids, but if they're so um, worried about things getting out and secrets getting out, why weren't they a little bit more thorough about either not letting, like, okay, so I'm not talking strip search, but 
take their bag, take, take her purse, take their coats away from them while they're sitting in that room and not let them have them back until they're leaving. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that was a little bit careless and a little bit overlooked. But it's like, well, I wouldn't well, even trust after them. They, after they left, you'd probably tail them still. And then you see that they leave Hawkins. Like, well, why aren't you going home? Why are you guys leaving Hawkins? Yeah. And maybe it's the fact that the facility has no concerns. Like, okay, so they're going to put this tape on like a news station. So what? Like, we can crush that story that has no proof whatsoever to it. You think somebody's I mean, really going to believe that there's this magical upside down place where monsters live? Nobody's going to believe that. Right. And well, we saw, you know, how they went in and covered up, you know, Will's disappearance with like a fake body and a fake death. And, um, you know, how they were trying to clean up that whole thing in the first season. So, you know, why can't they do something similar? you know, this time around and kill yeah, it. That's before. a good point. I would think those two be a little bit more cautious. Like, Oh, guess what? You're leaving Hawkins. Oh, car accident. Yeah. I mean, I get that they're kids and that they would, it, it'd be a little bit more messy to cover up. I mean, obviously the more loose ends that you have that you have to tie up is more messy, but, um, I think they're, I think they're playing in something they shouldn't be. I get that they want justice for their friend and, um, you know, I'm not saying that they're wrong for that, but I think they don't. I don't think they know what they're messing with. <laughs> so that's my number three. Ooh, that led into my number one. Uh, so the only thing I have left then would be my number two, which I am titling Dart Eats the Cat. Oh, my word. We alluded to it, and we have just been proven that Dart is, in fact, a baby demigorgon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I uh it's one of those things that I don't think I feel uh like I've solved a puzzle because <laughs> as Dustin gets home, you know, the mom is like, here Snickles or whatever the cat's name was. Instantly I'm I like, think Oh meow, my god. Or something yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> Instantly I'm like, Oh, Dart ate the cat. Like you just like You knew they, they haven't they haven't talked about this cat but like once, like Dart ate the cat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he goes in. He, he broke out of the glass. Dart broke out of the glass. Like, it wasn't just he snuck out of the cave. Like, he broke through it. That aquarium glass can be some serious glass, too. Mm-hmm. And you follow the trail. And he's not just, like, like <sighs> eating this thing whole. He's just, like, chomping away at it. And that's all we see. So I'm really curious if, if there is a connection between Dustin and Dart. Like, there actually is, like, you know, like... You know, there's this guy, like, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but there's this, uh, like, 20-foot crocodile, and it has befriended a human being. Like, there's a guy that swims with and everything because he saved it as a, when it was little. Really? And, yeah. It, if you t- take a look at it, like, he's, like, it's a wild crocodile, and he swims with it in the water. Can I um, Google this? You can. I think you can. Okay. Go, I think it's in, I don't remember what river it is. It's overseas somewhere, but it's a big oh, okay. freaking crocodile. Oh, my God. Um, and he just swims with it, and it's just like, yeah, this this is my friend. I'm not going to eat him unless I can't find anything else to eat, and then I'll probably eat him, which is probably what Dart thinks. It's like, oh, Dustin will be my friend until there's no more cats. Right. Keep the food supply coming or you're next, yeah. Betty. <laughs> uh, but we get, you know, we saw him open his mouth a little bit when he was littler, but now it does the very much demigorgon split mouth thing. Uh-huh. Um, which I don't want to see that transformation of this little like living booger into this thing with <laughs> legs and arms. I'm not I'm not mentally prepared to see that transformation. 
No. No. No, which I never thought Dart was that cute to begin with. I thought, oh my god, if I saw that thing rummaging around in my trash, I would kick the trash can as hard as I can and run screaming into my house. <laughs> yes. Find would... a can of WD-40 and a lighter and kill it with fire. I know. Or pour some salt on it like you do a slug when you're a cat. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love animals. I really do, but I'm, I'm guilty. I did that once, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hard scene for me because I am a huge animal lover, and um, I I thought the same. I thought, uh oh, there's there's been no sign of a cat. We have seen the transformation of Dart. Um, the previous episode and we saw him you know growing and evolving we suspected as much that yes he was like a baby demogorgon and of course that means nothing good we've seen um what the one in season one did to, did to the deer um oh, and, yeah. and pretty vicious creature and um it, it's attacked other humans it ate dr brenner um or attacked him i don't know how much it ate him but it killed him um so it, it's it's obviously I feel, I don't know how mindless it is. I'm like you, is it, does it have, does it feel a connection towards Dustin? Would it hurt Dustin? If, cause I, I, I'm like you, I haven't seen that story about this man and this 20 foot crocodile, but I have seen this story and it makes me cry every time I watch the video of, if you've ever heard of Christian, the lion, have you ever heard of that story? I think These I two, have. Two guys yeah, yeah. in London who, um, had this lion and rescued him and he lived with him for years and years and years in London. And they, he, he, they had to end up releasing him to this animal reserve in Africa. And it had been years and years since they had seen Christian and they went to the animal preserve where he was to go see him. And when Christian approached these two guys and recognized him, like he, he was standing there, like checking him out, like, who are you guys? And you're in my domain. And he's a wild animal, right? And he walks up to them, and all of a sudden, he just jumps on them and hugs them and, yeah. like, licks them all over. Oh, my God. I'm telling you what, people, if you need to cry, if you if you need a good cry and you can't quite get it out, go YouTube that video. <laughs> it will yeah, get you every time. You so, watch it, and you're like, oh, God, they're he's going to eat them. This isn't going to end well. And it's like, oh, they're just yeah. like people. There's a moment, there's a moment that he's kind of looking at him like, oh shit, he might, he might eat them. It might be like a Siegfried and Roy kind of incident here that he might um, attack them or something. But all of a sudden, as soon as you see that face, you see another face of recognition and he just jumps on them and just hugs them. And it is like the most beautiful thing in the world. And I, I'm, I'm getting teary. I just even thinking about it. I haven't watched the video in a long time, but it makes me cry. Um, but anyway, my point to that is like what you said, is there some sort of connection? I wonder, uh, obviously no connection with that cat. The cat, the cat ate it. He's gone. And that was a hard scene for me to watch because I do love animals and I cringed because um, I knew what was going to happen. I think that's a really good question. I, I, what the hell is he going to do? Do you think he's going to tell his friends? Because his friends are still, they're digging in the garbage looking for Dart. Yeah, I don't, so that, and that's the thing is like, does, does Dart have some kind of like mental power over him or is this going to be like, oh, <sighs> oh God, like this animal's not, like this isn't a friendly animal. I mean, you have to think like, um, you know, like you have pets that like maybe your dog accidentally plays with the cat a little too hard. Like, what do you do? I mean, I guess in this situation, it wasn't playing like this was actually eating it. But, yeah, he wasn't. Uh, the three musketeers wasn't working for it anymore. Yeah. Uh, 
tough. But yep, that was my last thing. But that was my number two. Is Dart eats the cat. Uh, I don't know. I wonder if that was a like a callback to the great '80s TV show Alf. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh my God, you're right. Because Alf always tried to eat the cat. It's <laughs> <laughs> always chasing the cat all the time. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Oh, I'm so proud of you, Sean, that you know that. Usually, I have to help you with some <laughs> '80s references. That was a, a TV show. I had a little Alf stuffed doll, and every day I'd, or every night that that was on, I'd sit in front of the TV with my little Alf and watch watch Alf on TV. I loved Alf. What was one of the little things that every time they went to commercial break or came back or something, he would say a little phrase, and it was always something about watch your cat or something? I think so, yeah. There's like PSA for cats, I think, they did. Yeah, it was um, always one of those taglines with Alf. You're right. I forgot about that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm interested to see what's going to happen. Is Dustin finally going to realize eh, this might not have been such a great idea? Maybe the fellows were right about this being a creature. Number one, from the upside down. Two, it's dangerous because um, it's going to get bigger. I think. That, I mean, he saw the the demogorgon from last season. It was not a small being. It was huge, um, and vicious. And um, I don't know. We'll we'll see if that if they're able to maintain that relationship if there is one at all. You know what happens? Oh, geez. Um, good thoughts. So my number two is Elle's mom. So we see as Elle is, you know, going through the cabin, kind of cleaning up a mess. She notices um, in the floor. Um, a door and some storage space. And and now we see what happened with all that stuff that Hopper had in the cabin because it was, he said he basically used it for storage. And and I know I kind of thought like, well, what did he do with all that stuff? Where did all of it go? Um, And there it went in the crawl space apparently, or the storage area. Elle finds these boxes and these files and she figured out who her mom is, which I think we've, we've talked about before and kind of speculated, uh, you know, was Terry, and I can't think of her last name, um, you know, is, is L. Jane. Oh, yeah, I can't, yeah. And is Terry her mom? Is this, you know, is that what that connection is? And um, I felt so bad for her, for L. She so badly is looking for that parent connection, and she really wants that that mom that, that Hopper was, was reading to her um, in the in the previous episode. Um, and she, she, puts on that blindfold and she grabs that picture and she tries to connect with her as she would do with Mike. And as she would experiment when she was at the facility, you know, trying to reach that person and connect with them. And I thought that was such a sad moment. Cause it's like, she sees her and we see her as kind of like how Joyce and Hopper saw her, um, in the, in the first episode, it's like the lights on, but nobody's home. Um, and, and I thought that was really sad, um, moment for, for Elle and that, that, pained look on her face and that torment that she had I thought was really genuine I thought um that was a really great um moment from Millie Bobby Brown that heartache that you know she she was really trying to make that connection and she just she just wants to I think just wants to feel like she belongs somewhere and that she or that she belongs to someone and that she's a part of something and I don't think she's found that yet I think Hopper tries really hard um but they're not quite there yet. And I think that she wanted it with Papa from the previous um, season and she didn't quite get there. And she just, she just wants it so bad. And, and I, it really just pulls at my heartstrings as a mom, um, 
to, to see that, that she struggles with that. And, um, I just thought that was a, a nice moment. And I think that, you know, that kind of answered the question. Cause I think we didn't quite know. We just had to kind of speculate and probably assume that that was her mother. But I think we're, we're right about that. So that's so my number two. When she kind of like dissipated, do you think that was her mom like dying or do you think she just lost connection with her? Or do you think maybe the government came and took her away? I don't know. We've never really seen anything like disappear like that, that she's tried to connect with. Like she's never seemed to lose anything when she's done that. Right. Yeah. We haven't quite seen that loss of, well, I mean, I don't know what, what happened um, in one of the other episodes where she was kind of connecting with Mike when Mike's in the basement um, and he's sitting in like Elle's little like fort or sleeping area in the basement and he's got the walkie talkie and he's trying to connect with Elle. And um, does he disappear or does he just i can't remember he just walked away that's what i thought like he just got up and walked away i think yeah if i recall i don't know and i don't know if it was um because her mom is not stable that maybe yeah i don't know i i really i was confused at that point too i thought why is she did she die like you said or did, did she somehow become conscious enough that she was able to leave that space because it kind of triggered something for, for Terry. Um, and she was able to leave that space. I don't, I don't know what that meant. I hope, I I don't know if it meant something, maybe, maybe I'm speculating on it and it doesn't really mean anything. Um, but if it does, I hope we find out. Cause I did, I did wonder about that. Yeah. Cause it wasn't like Elsa like reaction was like, Oh, I'm crying from happiness. Cause I found my mom. Mm-hmm. It was more of like, Oh my gosh, like, like a she's sad taken away cry. from me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, like I found said, her, and a, she's been taken away. And that was a great scene. Like you were just kind of saying, like it, she, like you know, when she was crying, like they they pull back, so she's crying in this version of her upside down. I don't know what you would call it, but mm-hmm. she's crying in there, and so they pull back, and you see her just sobbing, you know, with the blindfold still on. So you're seeing like what anybody who walked up and saw her would see, and then mm-hmm. she takes the blindfold off, and she's back in the real world, and it's just this you know, heartache just being poured out. And it's just like that, that cry that you have where you just like throw yourself into a pillow or throw yourself on the bed and just sob for hours. It was like, that was just a great, great acted scene. It was. Yeah. I really felt it. I, it really tugged at my heartstrings. Um, that moment to, it was like a true gut wrenching. Your world is over, (laughs) you know, kind of, kind of cry. And she really pulled that off. So, that's my number two is we made that connection. And what does that mean going forward? What is, well, we already did your number two and, and you said you had your number one that we kind of talked about already. Was there anything else that you wanted to add about your number uh, one? No, I think that pretty much covered all the, like, I'm still kind of curious, like where they're taking this. Cause you know, like in this age, you'd throw it up on YouTube, which <laughs> I think if you throw it up on YouTube, it's going to get buried then too, unless it goes viral. But I'm curious what they're going to take it to. Like, they're leaving Hawkins, so are they going to road trip it to New York? Are they going to road trip it to Chicago, like a bigger city? Um, but it's one of those things. It's a government conspiracy, and you can't fight the government very well. I so, I think that they're thinking at this point, like, we've um, pulled one over on them, but I think that Nancy and Jonathan might be underestimating them just a little bit. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I think yeah, they're going to be curious. in for a surprise. I think so too. And hopefully they don't come out for the worse for it. Um, 
Okay. Well, my number one um, is, uh, we've already covered a lot of it, so I won't go into it too much, is just basically the upside down. Like, here we are again. We know it's there, but the, the like Hopper's discovery after, um, you know, Will, or yeah, Will, um, you know, kind of drying out and they find out that it's not like tunnels. These are vines and it's, it's killing. He makes that connection of like the pumpkin patch digs the hole. Boom. What do we see? We're up shit Creek. Um, so he knows he made the connection in the last episode with like where the vegetation and pumpkins were dying and how it was coming out of like this radius from where the facility was. And so obviously somehow it's, it's like, I think the people at the facility think they have it under, under control. Like we got this, we have these nice new doors to where something can't just come out without us knowing or getting to it first. It's not, nothing is going to escape. We have it all under control. They have this regular maintenance where dude, you know, gets up in his hazmat suit or in, um, uh, like fireproof kind of suit. And he's, you know, maintaining everything that's kind of seeping out, but they don't, I think, know about this. (laughs) Yeah, that's that the is. thing I'm curious about. Cause, I mean, they've been out there and they researched it too. So did they not find it? So you know, like, is <sighs> this doctor going to be like, "Oh shit, I'm not going to get a good review from the government now." Yeah, yeah. There goes bonus. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> um, clearly, whatever they're doing to keep things under control is not working. Um, it's like Jeff Goldblum says in Jurassic Park: "Life finds a way." Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> and. The Upside Down found a way um, out, and it's seeping, I think, into everything. I mean, it's affecting Will. Uh, things are getting out. It's like he can see between both worlds. Um, it's killing. It's it's like expanding out from the facility and expanding out and killing. You know, it's killing. How long before, you know, it's it's poisoning the pumpkins. It's poisoning the vegetation. How long before it starts affecting people um, and animals? Yeah, I mean, is it going to get into water supplies? Is is the tunnels, like, expanding up? Like, is it going to start seeping into just the real world even more? Right, and remember that when they went in, when Joyce and um, Hopper went into the Upside Down last season, they made them put on those um, hazmat suits because oh, they said yeah, the yeah. air is toxic. And obviously it is toxic because it's poisoning the soil, it's poisoning vegetation. Like you said, if that seeps into uh, something that before it, completely rots because it rotted the pumpkins pretty fast. So the, the chances of someone eating those pumpkins are pretty rare because it happens so quickly. But what if it seeps into something that people do manage to either eat or it gets into the air and it's toxic or killing animals, wildlife? Um, it's not good. Not good. So that's that's my number one is just um, the whole uh, upside down seeping out. Um, obviously does not wish to be contained. It has been unearthed or the gate has been opened and it is not to be closed (laughs) so good number one i like it yeah so do you have any notes uh the only note i have left was when you kind of mentioned the items in the basement so i read the boxes from hoppers so we see a box from new york Mm -hmm. we see a box labeled vietnam and we see a box labeled uh, hawkins lab so that kind of probably solves one of the questions we had if he had been to uh, Vietnam. So it kind of looks like he had. 
Yeah, yeah, thanks for pointing that out. I noticed it in my first watch. On my second watch, I think I was taking notes or something and might have overlooked it the second time around, but I didn't remember seeing it on the first one. I go, aha, because we did talk about that because he was setting up those booby traps. Um, and we thought, dang, that's not just some big city cop stuff. That's like military stuff, you know? Um, that's not just um, cop 101 that they teach. So, yeah, good, good catch. What else did you have? Uh, that was the only note I had. Everything else we covered pretty in-depth. Yeah, we did. Um, and I didn't really have a lot of notes. Usually I have a lot more notes in this episode, but I think that um, so much was covered in our top five. The one thing that I did make a point of I thought was kind of funny was um, Joyce's driving skills. <laughs> Man, when she pulls into that school, that just it killed me. Um, but I thought, you know what? That's Joyce. Or that's any mom who's panicked about their child, because um, we know that she left um, in a panic um, in the previous episode. So I think it made perfect sense. But I thought that was I thought, dang, that was right up there by the bike rack, man. You could have, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could have taken a kid out just trying to get his bike to leave school. <laughs> what was she driving? Was that a gremlin? Was that the car? Um, is it like a gremlin or a pinto? Okay. I'm not great on my older cars. I'm, I love cars, but on my older cars, I'm not that great. Unless it's like a Trans Am or something or a Charger. <laughs> I like the muscle cars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a muscle car kind of gal. I don't know what that was. It was either, like you said, either a Gremlin or like a Pinto. Uh, not the greatest cars, but you saw them a lot um, in that era, that's for sure. Um and that was about it. The other stuff that I have in my notes, which were just a few we've already talked about um, in my number or in our number fives, um, top five there. So, okay. So are we ready for some news from the show? Yeah, let's hear some news. All right. So a co- just a couple things, kind of a slow news week. So first thing that we have is from Deadline.com. So at the Vulture Festival in L.A., the Duffer Brothers, Matt and Ross, took the stage with producer Sean Levy to talk about the latest season and tease fans about the third season. So a little snippet from that. Um, they said, we are in very early days on season three and we're still figuring it out, said Ross Duffer. But after saying this, he looked around and said, I probably wasn't supposed to say that. He then reeled it in and said in a joking panic, that's not official. That was was not an official announcement. We're just working on it just for our own amusement for fun. (laughs) So everything I'm seeing, I'm not seeing an official confirmation on season three. I mean, I think it's probably, I mean, I don't know how it ended, of course, but I'm sure it's probably on some sort of cliffhanger or making you want more story, but uh, I don't think it's been officially announced. I think everyone knows that's where it's going. I always hate how you have to have like that paperwork stuff. Like, yeah, like, Oh, we can't officially say it's anything. It's not official. Exactly. It's all the lawyer jargon and all that stuff. Lawyers, managers, agents, Yeah. you know, no one like they don't have all the official signatures yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. Our next story comes from LRM Online. So the Stranger Things star can't be told spoilers anymore. Speaking at Vulture Fest last Saturday, creator Matt Duffer revealed the actor they have to hide secrets from. (laughs) We can't tell David Harbour anything anymore. He's cut off. He tweets it. He puts it on Instagram. He tells every journalist he can find. I'm not telling him anything. (laughs) 
It's probably for the best. Harbor re- certainly comes across as a very enthusiastic actor who's ready to talk about how excited he is for this upcoming project. Sadly, it doesn't always work out when you're trying to play the secretive game. Through, though, of course, there will be some point when the series has been shot and they're talking to the press to there are only so many preventive measures they can take. But at least for the time being, we can celebrate the fact that we have more than a year until we can expect Stranger Things 3. Yep. This is a tough one. Um, you know, they, they take security on these spoilers and leaking of scripts and stuff pretty tight. So I, I just find it hilarious that... Um, you know they joke about like we can't tell him anything <laughs> he's gonna tell <laughs> well a lot uh, of just... times too like when these cons and stuff are going on like they they basically don't allow the the actors to go to him just to avoid any potential spoilers mm-hmm. they're pretty big with that amc is pretty um big with that with their actors that are currently filming um you know during the season whenever they have like their walker stalkers and conventions that they have yeah, a lot of them aren't allowed to, like, they can attend, but they can't do panels and stuff um, because, you know, they know that questions will be asked and it's so easy to let stuff slip. Yeah, so, I could see it. Yeah, they lock it down pretty tight. So, which I understand. I mean, it kind of sucks. People kind of want to know, but it's like, people, do you really want to be spoiled? Like, I don't know. I don't. Um Okay, so next we have some letters from the Upside Down. This is our listener feedback, which is one of my favorite parts. So we'll jump right in. First one is from Stephanie Fernandez. She says, at first I thought the speeding car in the beginning would be Billy's. <laughs> Should have known it was <laughs> it was Joyce. The way the camera spins around Will and the others has, as he's being consumed by the shadow monster while switching between the upside down and the regular world is amazing. Gorgeous shot of the sunset through the, eds, or through the woods Sorry, as Elle is coming home. And then everything goes south. Hopper really doesn't get it, does he? I mean, he appreciates, I appreciate he wants to keep her safe, but she's been a prisoner all her life. There had to be some other options. How could he honestly expect her to not want some freedom eventually? Loved Elle's psychic temper tantrum. It was completely appropriate for her character, given her state of mind in the situation. I felt so bad for Elle by the end when she's crying and distraught in her room. It would have helped if Hopper could have been a little nicer to Elle in the morning, but he had to be stubborn. I wish I had psychic powers to help me do housework. (laughs) So, (laughs) So the labels on Hopper's boxes. Dad, New York, Vietnam. All possible story elements for the future, I imagine. And of course, then Elle finds out about her mother. It was bound to happen. And honestly, I've been hoping it would since last season. So Jonathan and Nancy definitely knew they would be captured by making that phone call, which is why Nancy is more comfortable around Jonathan at the moment, because she knows he'll back her up when she feels the need to do something instead of trying to distract her or talk her out of it. Loved the whole scene at the lab with Dr. Owens speaking to them. It was both oddly casual and unmistaken, unmistakably threatening. I agree. The kids are all understandably tense in this one. I can understand Max getting upset at the boys. Mike is still being a butt about her threatening Elle's place in their group. And apparently Billy is a racist in addition to being an asshole. Great. (laughs) I hope he dies. (laughs) But no, instead, it's the poor kitty who gets it. Hashtag justice for Muse. Damn it. (laughs) 
Why couldn't it have been the turtle? No, not the turtle. Oh, what she have? Yeah, um, what she have against turtles? No, not the turtle. Um, but I knew it would be Muse when they showed the cat food being poured into his bowl. Fucking Duffer Brothers. They probably just wanted to be able to make it make it more gory. Jerks. And now <laughs> we know for sure that Justin was being stupid, hiding this thing from the others. I was glad to see Mike go to Will's house to check up on him at the end and reveal to Joyce that he knows about what's going on. Noah Schnapp is once again fabulous in portraying Will's terror and helplessness. And when Will tells Joyce that the shadow monster likes it likes it cold, I shivered. Then he desperately then he's desperately drawing one undecipherable picture after another like his life depends on it, which I guess it actually might. This gives Joyce the chance to once again start covering her house with unique decorations and leads Hopper to what appears to be some kind of tunnel between the real world and the upside down. Hope he's not planning on exploring that place alone. Oh, great email. Yeah, great email, Stephanie. Thank you. So we got Laura Willis-Swink saying, Oh, Hopper, we love you, but can you please pick up a parenting book or something? <laughs> Don't you know that yelling at your kid and calling them names does not help to defuse the situation? Especially when that kid has superhuman telekinetic abilities and could probably kill you with a sideways glance. <laughs> that scene was hard to watch, but very real life. And it broke my heart for both Hopper and Eleven. Poor Mew Mew. Why are we killing cats? <laughs> <laughs> I would have stomped on Dart when he was in a when he was in a living booger stage. <laughs> oh, I love that, Laura. Andrew Newton says, I think this episode really shows us the flaws that continue to haunt Hopper. At the center of it all is the emotional baggage that he still carries from his past, and that rises up in an ugly way with his treatment of Elle here. There's still a damaged man here. It would seem he's not quite ready to confront that particular pain of losing his daughter, and it shows. We've seen it here and earlier in the season that despite his best intentions, he's making promises he can't keep. He's keeping secrets that carry costs of their own and attempting to do everything himself to almost foolish proportions. As much as he may feel that venturing into strange tunnels without anyone knowing where he is may seem like taking initiative and keeping others away from danger, at some point this becomes more of a frailty than an asset. I would argue these events with Hopper, while servicing the plot, are important insights into his character. As fun as it is just to picture him as a man who can do it all, I think there's a lot of value in exploring these underlying feelings that come from a troubled place and how his actions are dictated by that. Wherever his journey goes from here, he has a lot of healing to do. Thanks for indulging me on this mini <laughs> essay. Thank you, Andrew Newton, for this mini essay. That's some wonderful insight. Thank you. Steve Brown. So that effect of seeing the smoke go into Will was really well done. Max seems to be firmly in the group, or is she? Jonathan and Nancy knew they were being listened to and planned accordingly. The doctor really opened up without searching them. Loved Elle's cleaning skills. Noah Schnapp's acting is outstanding. Notes. Dart was really quiet and still under Dustin's hat. I'm not a parent, so I don't have any comments on Hopper's parenting skill. Hairband Billy is a jerk. Poor <laughs> Mew Mew. Hairband <laughs> Billy. <laughs> Hairband. Now, Steve that's, here might have um, given us the nickname that we're missing. Um, we'll throw that in the hat for sure <laughs> as a possible option. I'm still counting on you, though, um, Sean, for a good nickname because uh, I don't think I'll come up with one. 
Jillian Moreau says, I cannot even imagine the helplessness that Joyce feels watching her son go through this horrible ordeal, knowing there's absolutely nothing she can do at the moment to fix it and make it all better. She's so super supportive, though, and I think she's doing the best with what she has. And as others have said, Noah Schnapp is absolutely killing it in his portrayal of Will. That kid is amazingly talented. God, I love this show. Wendy Ott Eppers, so I finally finished this. Poor Will. Will this kid ever get a break? When he was talking to Joyce and said, I just want this to be over, heartbreak. And mm-hmm. poor Joyce, she has to feel so powerless to help him. Yeah, that's, uh, yep. I mean, she's going through so much in her own. Like, first she loses her kid, now her kid comes back, <sighs> obviously going through some traumatic stuff, and now he's essentially, like, possessed. Yeah, like, you, you think it's going to be over because he's back, but everything is not going back to normal, and it's awful. So we have some emails. So first one is, hey guys, just finished last week's podcast and wanted to comment about something that you guys touched on. When talking about how Hopper knew about Eleven being in the woods, I think it had something to do with the guy she knocked out with a burnt squirrel. He definitely had to have told somebody after he came to and his coat and hat were gone. So either he told the police or somebody he told, uh, told somebody else and it got back to Hopper. Who would have then knew exactly who that little girl was? Also, did you guys happen to catch the little music playing when Dart made his run out of the AV room? Definitely sounds like some Gremlins music. Ha ha. (laughs) Joshua Price. (laughs) Oh, God. I'm going to make you do that every show. (laughs) Yeah, I I like that. Thanks for bringing that up. That's a really good point. Um, I know I was thinking about, I just totally overlooked that. Did you think about that? That maybe it was the guy in the woods that she threw the squirrel that he, when he discovered her and came across her, that that's how maybe it got, got to Hopper. Yeah. Cause I mean, the timeline kind of bounced back and forth. So, you know, as you kind of see all of it, it kind of seems to make sense. Like that, that guy obviously would have been like, Hey, like this really weird thing happened. And Huey and Dewey wouldn't make any sense of it. Hopper would probably put the, <laughs> the piece together be like, oh, God, somebody moving something with their mind. Like, that's probably 11. Yep. Yep, you're right. So good email. Thanks. <clears throat> so our next email is, so as a latchkey kid from the 80s, I love the set design. Spot what mom used to have and the electric music, electronic music. However, I hated the Stranger Thing was also a horror thriller. I I was traumatized as a child by the movies Gremlins, Ghouls, and Silent Night, Deadly Night. I only watched Gremlins. The other movies had posters at the video store, and that is all it took to scare the bejesus out of me. Don't even start me on the Twilight Zone, where they have real fortune-telling fortune cookies. My husband and I watched season one last year, and I had at least three nightmares and had to turn on extra lights as I walked in my dark house. However, those little kids hooked me in, and I had to watch season two. Plus, Trapper Keepers... I mean, they must have shown everyone how to hold those just right. <laughs> because I found your podcast, I have rewatched season one and now rewatching season two. Like this episode, podcast repeat. Because of your insight, wit, humor, and observations, I was able to rewatch season one without fear. No nightmares. Also, Stranger Things is so funny. There were too many details that I missed on the first viewing. Season one and two are both standing strong with a second viewing. Anyway, thank you for guiding me through another round of this great stories. Warmly, Elizabeth. Thanks, Elizabeth. Aww, thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks for letting us be a part of that with you and a part of your journey. That's great. Thanks. Next one says, Hey, Rima and Sean, I'm loving this podcast. I listened to all your episodes, season one, as I rewatched 
to gear up for Stranger Things 2, and now I'm listening as I rewatch this new season again. I've watched it all, but I will not spoil anything for you, promise. Love hearing your notes on the show and living in the good old 80s. I look forward to them every Friday. Here are a few things I noticed about Stranger Things 2, Episode 4, Will the Wise. Promises seem to be a strong theme of this season and episode. Joyce and Will, Hopper and Elle, and of course the promises Mike and Eleven made to each other last season hang over the whole season. The lighting in this is so fantastic. It really takes you back to the 80s and looks realistic at times with the flashlight bulbs and lamps, but also is truly magical at others. This is something I picked up from your episodes in season one. Hopper's blue bracelet. He is playing with it when he talks to Elle through the door. In season one, Sarah has the same color hair tie when she's in the park and has her first attack. Maybe he braided those hair ties together to make the bracelet? It totally has a connection to his daughter, and you can see him struggle with all the emotions of now having another daughter figure in his life. See more shirts versus skins basketball. Totally Top Gun reference. <laughs> yeah, the volleyball game. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, she goes on, when the boys are in the shower, Steve's D-bag friend is back and refers to Nancy as the princess. Is that a throwback to the season one finale? They mention in the D&D game, the Thessal Hydra, the Lost Knight, the Proud Princess, and those weird flowers in the cave. Is Max the Proud Princess or Nancy? Hmm. Hmm. Mike is back leading the group and stepping up to be a hero, but he seems to have trust issues with girls. Is this justified? Just being a 12-year-old boy thing? Or is he threatened by Max? There seems to be a division of the party, with Will and Mike on one side and Dustin, Lucas, and Max on the other. Ending shot, Hopper is now totally Indiana Jones. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Keep up the good work, guys. Love the show. Best. Meg from New Jersey. Wow. Good thoughts in there, Meg. Yeah, what do you, I like I like it. Sean, you were the one that talked a lot about um, Hopper's blue bracelet. What do you think about her thoughts on, on that bracelet? I, I hope it plays like some kind of role. Cause I mean, like it was very prominent. It seemed in season one and we've seen it a bunch of times in season two. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really curious to see what it, if it, again, even if it's just like slightly mentioned later in the season, it's just kind of cool to have that continuity. Yep. I agree. So, hello, Rima and Sean. I finally got the time to start watching Stranger Things, and I wasn't sure if I was going to like it since I'm not a huge fan of child actors. I'm not really sure why. But OMG, this show got the casting right. I've been watched it all to episode four and heard the podcast too. So now I've caught up on you guys. I really like the podcast. You two really have a good chemistry. I love Rima ever since I've heard her from the Walking Dead cast and became friends afterwards. So when I heard she was host going to host this podcast, I had to listen to it. I want to share a theory. Since you 2 wasn't sure how Hopper knew Eleven was in the woods, we see her attack a hunter and knocking him out. I'm sure he reported the attack to Hopper, and if the hunter described her like he saw it, a girl in the woods, in a dress, short hair, cooking food. Since Hopper is a smart guy, he would have put two and two together and figured out it was Eleven and she was hungry. That was it. See ya. Mads Thomas from Denmark. Cool. Thanks, Mads. Um, next one starts out saying, I want to start off by saying I really hate it for Steve that he got his heart broke. 
but Jonathan and Nancy, (laughs) (laughs) that scene was set up so perfectly. They were called out for having feelings for one another and were continuing to lie about it, not only to everyone, but to themselves as well. Even in the next morning eating breakfast, we all know what happened. He knows. They know he knows. But we're all screaming on the inside. Yes! I don't know where I see the relationship going. At least they did something about it. I'm interested to see another year time hop and see where they are as a couple next season. I swear, if they don't uh, acknowledge it, I'll be pissed. I know there is bigger fish to fry as the story itself. I just really cared about these characters' relationship. Savannah Carver. Thanks, Savannah. Good email. So... That is all the feedback that we have for the show. We had lots of great feedback on the Facebook page and lots of really great emails. You guys have such great things to to say. I love it so much when I get to read um, what you guys have because it really helps open my eyes and give me a different perspective. And totally when I miss something, I want to know about it. I don't know everything. And even though we, we, we watch these episodes twice, we still miss things. So thank you everyone for taking the time to write in. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks everybody. So next week we'll be covering the fifth episode from season two titled chapter five, dig dug. The description for this episode is Nancy and Jonathan swap conspiracy theories with a new ally as Eleven searches for someone from her past. Bob the Brain tackles a difficult problem. <laughs> Dig Dug. Have you ever heard of that, Sean? That's a video uh, video game, right? Yeah. Do you know like what what they do in Dig Dug? No, or I don't. Like- I've never played it or anything. So thinking of like Hopper's digging in that garden that he was at in the tunnel, that was kind of like Dig Dug. Oh, okay. Clever. Yeah. I don't know if it has anything to do with that. I have not seen the episode, but that's just like thinking of Hopper's and the ending of that and then the title of this one. It could be maybe they're back at the arcade again. I don't know because it was an arcade game. But interesting. I kind of sucked at Dig Dug because those little creatures that would come after you when you were digging the tunnels would bite me in the ass all the time <laughs> whenever I'm playing and kill me. <laughs> so if uh, the uh, upside down starts breaking into our world, I need to find a new partner. <laughs> yeah, you might need to because something's probably going to bite me in the ass and take me out. So <laughs> we'll start We'll start searching. Um, we'll, we'll do a search for you and find you one. Okay, so we are so excited for you to travel to Hawkins, Indiana with us. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like Podcast Junkies at Podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any of the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. Lots of good ones. Go check them out. Um, and also make sure to check out Sean in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Ah, tons of fun. It's a lot of yeah, laughs. Yeah, lot of lot of fun stuff. And remember uh, to help sponsor, help uh, our show and our sponsor go to Freshly and get their best offer, which is only valid for a lim- limited time. Just go to Freshly.com and use the promo code STRANGE to save $40 on your first two weeks of deliveries or enter STRANGE at checkout. And shipping is always free. We've got some information in our show notes as well to check that out. 
Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 12, Chapter 4, Will the Wise. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Savannah Carver is strange indeed.